Thanks, Anne, for bringing those stories to life. This parable was stories, what I like to call an elevator parable. It means it works on many levels. That was my joke. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for telling your disciples stories to explain profound truths. I thank you, Lord, that people wrote them down and we can read them today. Lord, you know the people who are hearing this message and you know exactly what we need to hear. Lord, I thank you for the instructions and opportunities you give us. I ask that these words speak life into all of us today. Amen. Now, fruit and gifts get used a lot in common speech and in the Bible. We often talk about uh, the fruits of labour. And we could be talking about salaries, could be talking about uh, possessions or trips. And we often talk about gifts. So we might talk about a gifted athlete. The Bible uses gifts and fruit. Uh, Proverbs 11.30 talks about uh, the fruit of righteousness. We see uh, the fruit appearing in Revelation. The idea just keeps appearing right throughout the Bible. Now, when I was growing up, we had a lemon tree in our backyard. Some years, we had hundreds of juicy lemons everywhere, and other years, they were pretty poor. It seemed to depend on the rain, whether Dad had fertilised it, general temperature, and pruning. The quality of the fruit was in proportion to the health of the tree. Now, at the same time, we also had some pine trees in the backyard. And they were affected by the same conditions. Some years they look good, other years they were a bit scrappy. But every year at Christmas, my father would cut down some branches of these pine trees, tie them together, bring them inside. We'd decorate it as a Christmas tree. And then my parents would put fantastic gifts around it. One year there was even a scar electric underneath it. That's a really good gift. Now, the condition of the tree had nothing to do with the quality of the gift. Now, in the Bible, we see this same kind of comparison of fruit and uh, gifts. There's some overlap when we see fruit and gifts. Uh, Faith is mentioned as one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, 2.22 and also 1 Corinthians 12, faith is mentioned as a gift. So it would be fair to say, with my father's work around the yard, that that allowed the fruit to develop. So it was an opportunity to turn that lemon into a gift, you know, like a lemon meringue pie that uh, I might have eaten. But the Sky Electric was a direct gift from my parents. So in short, a fruit is an outworking of an internal virtue or internal virtues whereas a gift is something direct from God, even though there is quite a lot of overlap. Now, there's two parts to today's reading. First, there's a discussion, and then there's a parable about fruit. Jesus was involved in this debate. There'd been a terrible accident where a tower had collapsed, and there was also a massacre. And people were discussing why were the people killed? Why was anybody killed in this? Were they sinners? Were the people who survived less sinners, more, worse sinners? Did it prove that God wasn't in control? 
perhaps their parents were sinners. People were just having uh, discussions that just went on and on. The conversation is just a fruit-destroying conversation. It just makes you smaller. It stops your growth. So people were using their logic to try and intentionally disprove God. You know, a typical starting point around us today is if there really is a God and a God of love, why is there war? Me? I don't know. I haven't got an answer for that. But this is something I do know. If we define God's job, so if we define exactly what God's job is, point out all his KPIs, then decide that God doesn't meet it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. It really doesn't. And even if you get angry about it, and even if you make a video blog, and and you're a really good orator, and you can speak into a camera, it still doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. Yet when we start to believe that we are so smart, and our previous logical position is so right, and then our observations that we make are absolutely correct, and then they don't kind of match, this doesn't prove there is no God. It simply shows we just don't understand. Now, earlier this year, uh, scientists discovered the existence of gravity waves. Now, they did this with very limited Earth-based equipment. There some tunnels under the ground. Uh, they were limited to only being able to use um, minerals that you could find on Earth. They were limited to uh, using um, just the intelligence that we have to design the instruments. They are incredibly limited in designing this. And this is one instrument for detecting things that are in the universe. The idea was around for about 100 years that there were gravity waves. Uh, People designed instruments and it took quite a long time to find them. And finally, uh, building the right instruments, they found it. Now, we haven't scanned the whole universe with every possible instrument to prove there isn't a God. Yet there are people with great faith, amazing faith in fact, will say, I know we haven't used every instrument you can imagine, even instruments we can't imagine, but with great faith they say, I know there is no God. Like The step of faith these people take is amazing. But there's people around who actually believe it. And then they make video blogs and people think they're really clever. Now a sensible person when confronted with a reality that is different to their own views, a sensible person will change their views. A fool will keep their views and tell you the reality is wrong. Just imagine with me. Imagine you've decided that gravity does not exist. I went to school. I know about gravity. Gravity causes objects to be attracted towards the centre of the other object's mass. In other words, things fall to the bottom of a hill. That's the, uh, the idea. Now, I can walk down to Sydney Harbour, see a great big boat, 100,000 tonnes of boat, and it doesn't sink to the bottom of the harbour. Therefore, gravity doesn't exist. 
know, somebody else might start to tell me, well, there's buoyancy and there's, you know, the way things work. And I just go, well, that's just a convenient excuse, isn't it? Yes, you've just made something up, Eureka. So meanwhile, you're walking around having stupid rants while other people are launching rockets, um, driving boats across the ocean and using hot air balloons. These opinions and quarrels just really destroy your ability to produce fruit. And you can see that Jesus uh, just chimed into this discussion and he just said, you know, like, why do you think this happened? You know, do you think there's one sinner, somebody's worse than somebody else? And then he goes on to tell a story about fruit. So he looked at the discussion and rather than really engaging in the discussion and explaining what was going on, he then moves to a parable just about producing fruit. So he tells this story about a tree in a vineyard and that's a story that just has so many levels but every level is about no fruit. It was a pretty simple story. Really, it was to the tree, you've got two choices. You're either fruit or firewood. Now, the vineyard owner is saying that a a fruit tree that doesn't produce fruit is of no use. It's just using up the soil. It's taking up the sunlight. But the gardener says, give it another chance. Just give give it one more go. And then if there's still no yield, I'll dig it out. But just give it another go. Now, we can see when we look at this, the story, we can see the story as the tree being us, us as individuals, with the Holy Spirit as the gardener and uh, God as the owner. We could also look at it as the tree being our Christian walk and we are the gardener. So we could see it from another angle that we are tending our Christian walk. So even though our Christian walk might not be producing any fruit, we could be saying, God, I will make my Christian walk produce some fruit. We can look at the story as a reminder that our life is finite. We can see it also that we know that God gives second chances. We can look at the interactions between the players. You know, the gardener appeals to the owner on behalf of the tree. This morning, I would like to consider this, though, as the tree being the church, being the Ultimo Uniting Church, and we being the gardeners, as people here, and God being the owner. Now, something that really excites me about this church is that we're about a 15-minute walk from the GPO and we have reach all over Sydney. Church reaches into Ultimo, Piermont, Camberdown, reach into the Blue Mountains, Annandale, Northern Beaches, reaches over the Gladesville Bridge. Church reaches, we have this amazing reach, there's an amazing fruit there. And we have people who come into this church and grow. We have very strong friendships across the church. There's children loved, opportunities to grow in God, and there's people taking the opportunities. Let's go back into our story. Now, the gardener doesn't make excuses for the tree. He doesn't go, oh, it's been a tough year for this tree, or this tree is having a tough time, or, you know, like it's not really the tree's fault. doesn't really go out with any of that. just goes, okay, I'll do something about it. Something I like with this church People here don't say, oh, it's tough trying to build a church in Ultimo. You know, we haven't got a car park. It's really tough. 
or um, you know, there isn't enough space in this hall to have a dance night or the floor's crooked or whatever the case is. We just do it. Jeff. It's Jeff. Jeff and I were having a chat a couple of weeks ago at after church. We were down at the Powerhouse Museum. Jeff was telling me about some work that he was doing as a company specialist. Now, he'd worked with companies that were struggling and helped them get back on their feet. And the interesting thing with Jeff's work was that he wasn't looking for excuses. He wasn't looking for people to be able to say, yeah, it went wrong because, um, you know, my favourite person who worked here had a uh, difficult time at home that week. It was just don't worry about the excuses, let's put in some policies to fix it and get it right for the future. Yes. And in Jesus' story, the gardener didn't even start off by saying, but the tree's providing shade. Because yeah, the owner just said, hang on, this tree's stealing soil and uh, stealing sunlight. He just says he's going to dig around the tree and fertilise it and see how it goes. So he's going to move fresh dirt and nutrients around the roots and give the tree special attention. So let's go back to considering this church as the tree and we as the gardeners. Imagine if we did a little bit of digging around our church. So just imagine this one with me. Imagine if James, imagine if James took over the children's ministry. I think we'd have a choir here pretty quickly. And perhaps all the handcrafts might stop. Imagine if it was poor laps. I think we'd have a billy cart race amongst the kids. Hmm, yeah, just, just imagine the things that if we change things around, what could happen by ploughing up around the roots of our tree. Now imagine if, say, Phil organised our morning teas. Now Phil's a bit of an expert on public transport and also an expert at finding cafes that have fantastic deals. So I think uh, if Phil was organising it, we might be all on the ferry to Manly to find a cafe that has um, a free cake with tea. Now imagine in our own lives as well. Just, you know, if I'm struggling with, say, keeping on top of my paperwork in life, I just say, what would Anne do at a time like this? How would Anne handle this? Yes, I think it's just good to look through. Yeah? And if, if your prayer life isn't great, just imagine, say, what would Alyssa pray for after Alyssa's prayer this morning? Now, these ideas are a thought experiment. It's not, I'm not suggesting Anne writes a new roster and just shuffles it and sees what happens, randomly placing people, even though I can see Anne thinking about it. Don't think about it, Anne. It's more about just freshening and watering our attitudes. Ultimately, it's about helping our ministries really bear fruit and nurturing our church to bear fruit. So, on the 28th of February, 2016, may I encourage you, don't engage in fruit-destroying conversations. Just be honest with yourself and each other and ask God for wisdom and understanding. And be really open to being fertilised and being dug around. Be open to new possibilities. You know, become a bigger tree and with a lot more fruit. Then nurture our church. 
There are many fruits already in this community. It's welcoming and accepting. It loves the Lord. It's a wonderful place to grow. We need to nurture this church. We need to be digging around it and watering it and keeping it going, producing fruit. So today the calling, the calling is don't be firewood, produce fruit. <laughs>